Greetings and welcome back to another installment of the fifth column podcast. You're almost <laughs> you forgot what we were doing. No, no, I, the, the stutter, the stutter yeah. stop thing is a that's oh, that's a trademark. Yeah. yeah, I do that every week. My host Camille. <laughs> that was a crossover here dribble with, of here with intros. Bill Cosby. This is uh, your almost <laughs> weekly rhetorical assault on the new side. Camille, if you had to, if you had to do a Bill Cosby, what would it sound like? It would not sound like anything. I'm gonna do. Let me just do the warning. A few brief words uh, of warning. Are you there may be profanity in the show. I'm Camille I'm Foster. Swearing. <laughs> this Go is ahead. episode 46. What Record- in the jello? <laughs> Recorded late on the evening of February 15th, 2017. Both Moynihan and myself are very late. But in a way, Super late. In a way, we're late, but we're always on time. And we're right here with you. Uh, I, I am, as I've already teased and revealed, and this whole introduction is screwed up, joined by Matt Welch, editor-at-large of Reason Magazine, oh. and Michael Moynihan, <laughs> national correspondent yes. for Vice News, an official disembodied- Vice News tonight. Yes, uh, well- but That's a different you're thing. The, you're the official disembodied voice of mm. HBO's Vice News. Tonight. I am indeed, yeah. Yes, yeah. yes. So they've let you be the voice, and then like you're the- Ponzi metrosexual who interviews weird conservatives? Uh, now, tomorrow I have a piece uh, on the show about uh, what I have in my hand right here, an electronic cigarette. I have oh. an e-cig uh, piece tomorrow, which is not political. Oh, that's good. Not a political thing. That's good. And the next story I'm doing is not political either. Well, I'm actually, the politics. Those, those things, this, is, this is politics is here. Those e-cigarette things should all be banned. Um, so yeah, it is indeed sakes. political if you are suggesting otherwise. Did you ever ask uh, Chad, Everything is politics. Trumpy Chad out there uh, whether you can, <laughs> um, you can e-cig in here? Or, did, or was it like a cat temp scagged this place up so so? Yeah, nastily. I mean, there's no, there's, I mean, there's no such thing as secondhand vape. Yeah. I, there are people that claim that there are, but, but I mean, there's New York City regulations to be sure. There are indeed, and 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 e-cigarettes, according to the FDA, are treated exactly as tobacco products, despite the fact that there's no tobacco in them. There is nicotine, but there's also nicotine potatoes, yeah. which aren't treated by as tobacco Sounds products. Totally unpolitical. It is not yeah. a political story <laughs> at all. Really glad that you're going to spend time talking. Well, about no, it. I get, I get, I get, I get a little excited to talk about because it it's, it's not in the piece so much. We have two, uh, yeah. two scientists, uh, Stan Glantz, who is like the scourge of a lot of libertarians, actually, <laughs> and a guy at BU who is his old um, colleague named Michael Siegel, and they really, really hate each other. Mm-hmm. And it's really fun because Stan Glantz is like, you know, uh, e-cigarettes are terrible. And they're just as bad for you as cigarettes in certain regards. Um, and uh, Michael Siegel says, no, they're, they're not harmful for you at all. And you're just like blowing vape steam into their face? <laughs> well, we shot the cutaways later. So it just shows me smoking <laughs> cigarettes while I'm interviewing both of them. Yeah. <laughs> which, is, which is great. I mean, it harkens yeah. back to the golden era of journalism uh, and media, which is what, what you guys are all about. Vice News. Yeah, well, there's actually on the thing, there's, uh, does anybody know this uh, Jacob, uh, what was his name, Jacob Greer? Yeah, yeah. A libertarian he's guy. A, he's a friend of Reese and lives in Portland. Yeah, he's he lives in Portland. He's a bartender. bartender yeah. yeah. He wrote a piece for Slate the other day about uh, <laughs> reassessing the uh, the uh, science of secondhand smoke, which is really, really interesting. And one of my characters there, Stan Glantz, shows up in the piece. But uh, both of these guys were big pioneers in that. I mean, that our, our- Very questionable, sometimes it's questionable science. And they, they've changed <laughs> their minds on a lot of this stuff. And, and Jacob was basically making the argument that the uh, public health crusaders aren't changing with the evidence because it's like scientists who change their mind with the evidence yeah well most don't yeah well that's the thing i agree that's it's funny i we didn't use this in the piece because we went a little far afield but michael siegel from bu was saying that there are a number of studies of scientists uh, that they are just as sort of 
firm in their beliefs, no matter what the actual scientific evidence says, if they've already come to their beliefs. And it essentially means that like science, scientism is a thing when people say like, well, you know, that's an opinion, but we've got to trust science, is that that's really not a thing. And scientists get really, really kind of ossified in their beliefs, and they refuse to change their mind despite contrary evidence, just like everybody else. So when people say that to you, it's like, well, you got to trust the scientists. Some of them are pretty blinded by ideology. It was his argument, but uh, what, pretty interesting. What chicken do we have to sacrifice in order to get uh, Jonathan Haidt on the show to oh, talk Jonathan about Haidt is uh, great. I know, but that we, cognitive bias? I, will, I mean, I aren't you like uh, friends with those well, guys? We've, we've got a little bit of a relationship. Yeah. You know, I've got a lot of high-powered friends, but uh, yeah, I'll ask him. Well, we'll talk to him about it. Right. But but I'm you know what? We had this work there, there is one yeah. other. There is one. <laughs> there is one other thing. Yeah. We getting I mean, paid there, for this yet? There is the stench of uh, of sort of loving and all sorts of other stuff like sure. in the room. I suspect okay. both of you of gentlemen, loving? both mm. of you gentlemen, were participating in Valentine's book. Day stuff yesterday. Um, you was, was that was that Emil what? Foster in was the stench good? of loving? Did you, did you enjoy that? Loving V. Foster. <laughs> That's a, another find. great, another great film yeah. that I almost watched yesterday. Instead, I watched Moonlight, and yeah. then I followed Moonlight up with uh, Hacksaw Ridge. Just oh my God! There's ruined. so much to be read I into know. that. Yeah. I know. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Let's not do it on the air. No, we shouldn't talk yeah. about. We wow. shouldn't talk about that. Wow, congenital Jamaicanness. Yeah, that's you a, mean the, the, congenital Jamaican homophobia. Yeah, I am not at all homophobic. I've already admitted to my 10 percent homosexualness. Yeah, um, which is more. Man, that than sounds most like you're trying Jamaicans to get 10 percent laid. Do. Yeah, I certainly stand against. I am opposed to the anti-buggery laws in Jamaica, which is a real thing. People, you should be aware of that. They're still um, on the books. Yeah, 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 totally a thing. Yeah, really? they, they do not like. You know, it's Man, also, I really broke a lot games. of laws when I went to Jamaica. You know what else is on the on the books in Jamaica? Yeah, um, uh, that you can't smoke weed. You can see this at the Bob Marley uh, House Museum. Yeah. There's these uh, signs like you know, it, weed is you can't smoke. Don't here. be smoking the weed. And, <laughs> and underneath it, there are five different Rasta dudes yeah. selling weed. Yeah, and like having sex with men. <laughs> <laughs> no buggery, no, no smoking, <laughs> no butty man, no butty boy. Come on, no. Those are the worst patois well, accents. Hold come on, on man. Scottish patois? Are you yeah. kind of like, oh, we're talking Scot- about Jamaica? Well, oh. No, no, I'm Scots-Jamaican. My great-grandfather yeah. from Scotland went to Jamaica. I'm project. glad we didn't derail this conversation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, this Mike is. Flynn. You know what? This Please is a, really, this is a palate cleanser. Let's get back to the loving. No, no the, the, the loving, thing is, lovery. everyone talked about how great like Damon Root was last yeah, on the Friday amazing. episode. Really like, so like, well, that was really high quality, I mean, I intellectual. We were, we were level. pretty good too. Yeah. No, you guys both had good moments. I was just yeah. kind of. Uh, I wasn't drunk, but I you know acted uh, <laughs> drunk. But uh, it, I think it's important to uh, to take yeah. it back down. A, a, a yeah, we should. The level's a little bit too high. A little high. I mean, Damon brought some high brow stuff. I mean. Really he was, he's if so people smart. only knew that he, he had so like smart. a bobby pin, like you know, uh, through his testicles, that he's just an insane person. Well, they, they can I would Damon get mad if I tell a story no, about his won't. arms? What <laughs> <laughs> his arms? What's wrong with his arms? The scaly arms. Uh, so Damon, when he started working a reason. Would come in, but look very professionally. Had a sort of button-down uh, white shirt on all the time. I think sometimes he was wearing a tie. He o- always sounds very contained. Very, very contained. And there was one time, and I don't know if it was a non-reason event, in which uh, Damon uh, rolled up his sleeves. Uh, literally rolled up his sleeves. It was a Roger Stone sex party. Probably. Uh, he rolled up his <laughs> sleeves and took off his pants. And, Wednesday uh, at Reason. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was the party was in St. Petersburg, <laughs> and uh, so he rolled up his sleeves. And he is got a lot of tattoos. That oh guy. Fully sleeve tattoos on both arms. Huh. Yeah. No, you never see it. He has them, it like cuff right over them. There is yeah. no skin. 
there's it's no skin and it's like it's it's I, maybe I shouldn't say that because he covers him up when he goes to work but he's but <laughs> he, can't, he can't hear this no you just keep yeah going. Not, I mean he doesn't yeah, listen just keep just, going no yeah. he lis- he listens all the time no um, well we I mean we started this by praising Damon Root it's like God she's the guy's yeah. just ridiculously smart. Yeah. Really smart guy, and, but then, and then sharing random facts about him. Yeah, but but you know what? There are other things happening. Yeah, and really important things. The uh, this is the fourth week of the Trump administration. I think it we're not, feels we're not like even, much further than that. We're not even at the month. Point. But four yeah. weeks yeah. and Jeez. four years, very similar. There's that at least. Uh, but the cascade of failure and missteps and mm. all sorts of travesties continues mm. unabated. Mm. Um, it is ugly. Uh, although I suspect it is not nearly as ugly as some very smart people told us it would be. Um, but this is me taking a little give bit. It, of, give it time. This is me taking a little bit of a victory lap early. Maybe, maybe. I don't. I don't a think so. Victory lap on. Yeah, yeah. But we'll talk, about, we'll talk <laughs> about it in a yeah. minute. We'll talk about it in a minute. But I mean, yeah. the, the news of the day, despite some dude named Netanyahu showing up in D.C., um, is still, I think, the resig firing of some dude named Michael Flynn, former national security mm-hmm. advisor to Donald Trump. And I said former, um, which. I mean, look, this is a a man responsible for actually reading the president's uh, and condensing in this particular case and perhaps remixing the president's daily briefings, which uh, he refuses to read himself on a regular basis, which I don't have a huge problem with. But uh, but look, he was kind of sort of shit canned. Um, this was a. Uh, no, he, de- he was definitely shook. Yeah, this was this was eventful. There yeah. was high drama. Yeah, uh, this may even have ramifications for national security, uh, for the national security of the entire country. But what is more important? Yeah, is that our very own Michael Moynihan totally called this show. I did. Totally By the way, I want to say you said you said a bold prediction, and I like the I, last show I said yeah. I said something going to happen. Yeah. Well, I did the I whole wasn't th- listening. Wow. I know. <laughs> I mean, you should listen to the show while you're on it. Well, this yeah. is the thing before you before you give your remarks. Yeah. I mean, there's a presentation of an award. Oh, it's a presentation. What this is, is for you. Oh I my god. Very, <laughs> very pleased with uh, what you've done. And oh I just want you to know. God, that is amazing. Yeah. I've got well, it. He looks this. genuinely moved. He is genuinely I am moved. moved. Would yeah. you, would you the mind? great thing about it is I'm going to show this to you so you can so we'll you take can, a, uh, we'll take, take a, a photo, photo of it. We'll post this. It's of, uh, of yeah. my excellence. And I love that <laughs> I love that there's a um I'll explain for the for the uh, people at home. <laughs> yeah, you this have is to the read, uh, read the entirely official fifth column, a podcast certificate of award. Yes, uh, <laughs> which is like a like a like an English language T-shirt in Japan. Uh, um, can you recognizing can you... the contribution of Michael C. Moynihan for quote general domination of things and totally calling that shit? Wow, uh, yeah. and. And and it's uh, signed by the president and uh, <laughs> and and, uh, and beneath it, it the says, only president. It says every damn day uh-huh. uh, beneath it, and uh, there are two children for some reason on it. <laughs> uh, one of them appears to be Dominican, and uh, there's a nice little girl there, and they got trophies and yeah, stuff. Yeah. Oh wow, that's nice. Yeah, I love so you being... can put that on your wall. And Matt, you will try harder. Um, and no, that didn't take me less than uh, three seconds to put together. Uh, I had to put a lot of effort and energy into. Um, At a minimum, I thought about it, but but well, you know, you know how I can tell you didn't put much effort into it because you misspelled entirely. (laughs) This is (laughs) I misspelled. I misspelled virtually everything. Entirely, entirely, the the worst speller on earth. Yeah, apparently, apparently, there's no PowerPoint. That's as if you don't read those emails. But you know what? Despite the misspelling, yes, despite it, it is the thought that counts. It is the thought that counts, and I'm going to hang that on. 
the wall Show it to your of daughter. my crawl space. <laughs> this is, um, this so is when I go bury a body, <laughs> then I'm reminded of how good I am at that something. You are interiorly kicking ass. Yeah, I am interiorly, <laughs> interiorly. Well, that's thank you, Camille. Yeah, I you're, you're welcome. That. But let's not let's not get caught up in this warm moment. Yeah. Tell us, yeah. uh, Michael Stank Moynihan, what, what do you make of this of this situation? Can you <laughs> can you give us a rundown of, sure. of what the hell happened here? I didn't I didn't ask you to be prepared to do that, but I'm sure you I'm can. not prepared to do it, but I can. Um, the the first thing to point out is that I was right. Um, <laughs> and and, and my, I have an award here. I don't know if you guys saw it, but yeah. it confirms that I was right. Yeah. Very official. Um, and I was uh, and I have been predicting this. And, uh, you know, I should get I should get uh, more awards for my prediction. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, basically what happened is that the the. The um, well, according to the administration. Oh, thank you. I appreciate that. That's my award drink. Yeah. Um, is that Michael? Uh, Mike. Oh, look at that. Sorry. <laughs> Michael Kelly, uh, who had a few conversations with the Russian ambassador. We don't know how many. Michael Flynn. Michael Kelly was killed in a tragic sorry, accident. Sorry. Sorry. Wow, Michael man. Kelly. I was General Kelly and Michael Flynn came together as Michael yeah. Kelly. That's fine. Um, Just so, call him Slugger. Yeah. So, 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 I, I, so if you said it, it must be true. So, so Slugger Kelly um, has these conversations <laughs> uh, in which he uh, denies that there was a discussion of the sanctions regime that um, that. Uh, is has been put upon the Putin regime, the two regimes, and uh, denied that uh, to apparently to Mike Pence. This is, this is what they're saying. And Mike Pence discovered that he had, in fact, discussed uh, sanctions with the ambassador uh, while reading an article in The Washington Post, <laughs> which brings us to a, another issue. And it's one that I'm sure you guys have quite a bit to say on is um, what surprised me about this is if it is true, and I suspect it might be true that, that Mike Pence read it in the Washington Post, is that the actual contents of this transcript of this conversation have not been shared with the president, not been shared with Mike Pence. And there's there a good reason for that, I would say, um, or they have and he's lying about it. But they have been not the actual contents, but that that what he was talking about was actually shared with the media prior to it being shared with Mike Pence. I know you've commented on this, Matt, on Twitter. Um, Eli Lake wrote about it uh, for Bloomberg um, with Donald and, Trump. And got retweeted by, by Donald, Donald Trump, Trump which, which, is, uh, which is, you know, is like throwing a, a drowning man a rock. You know, it's like, <laughs> just bye. Thank you. Today, it, was, today was the day. Let's just mark it. Mark the territory where Eli Lake was positively retweeted by Donald Trump and Glenn Greenwald. So Glee- Greenwald wow. writes about it. It's like the Damon Twilight Linker, um, whom I used to work with at Newsweek, uh, wrote about it in the week. And they all make a point, which I'd love to hear you guys uh, talk about, because it is it is fundamentally a, a point that libertarians like to point out and like to make, is that, you know, this is a triumph of the deep state. And the deep state, as predicted, and I you know, wasn't going this far, I just wanted to see if it actually happened, uh, to um, destroying the career uh, or helping to destroy the career of... Uh, you know, Mike Flynn. Now, Mike Flynn did this on his own, right? I mean, he, if, if he's doing this stuff that's bad, he's the one that's destroying his career, but it's being facilitated by people who have access to his private phone calls because uh, they are presumably tapping the lines of the Russian ambassador. So the question then becomes, do we like this precedent? I mean, because everyone was cheering. And I had a conversation with a guy uh, today that I work with, a very, a very nice, smart guy who was uh, doing a victory lap in this and said, well, you know, he did it. So therefore, he should be he should be um, uh, we should be happy about it. But it reminded me of the argument argument of that. If you don't want you know, I don't care if you look at my email, I got nothing to hide. It's a very similar kind of kind of um, argument in in what happens. And it's very similar to also executive orders, as Barack Obama reportedly said, I feel like I left a loaded gun in the Oval Office because now all of a sudden 
this executive power is in the hands of somebody we don't like. What happens when this power of the intelligence agencies, if they were opposed to, say, Barack Obama and decided that there was malfeasance there, but it's not public information and they got it through intelligence gathering and signals intelligence, if they just decided to to uh, do a little hit on uh, another political enemy of theirs. And I think this is obviously a backlash against Donald Trump's attacks on the intelligence agencies, but he has every right to make those attacks. I don't think he should just he should expect the, 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 the repercussions. But what do you guys think about this? This idea that the untethered and unchained and unrestrained intelligence agencies can actually <laughs> go out and say, here's all this data that we get and these big programs that suck up um, information, and then we're actually going to use it for political purposes. I um, the timeline here is pretty interesting. And the Washington Post, who, who has been doing, which has been doing great uh, reporting on this, yeah. uh, and and triggered this all with David Ignatius, who is he's actually a former spook in addition to being a a columnist about spy affairs. That's, that's racist. Uh, for <laughs> the Washington Post, <laughs> God. I never would have made that connection. Literally. I'm now like 70s, racking, racking yeah. my brain full for like 70s, like offensive statements that we've all forgotten about. But I guess, <laughs> yeah, I'm not going to go there quite please, yet. But please, so please continue. It's fine. Um, these the conversations, the, the action happens December 28th, 29th and 30th. Right. That's when Barack Obama uh, levies the sort of tit for tat. Um, we're going to expel some diplomats type of thing. Right. Um, and then after the, after all sorts of revelations about, quote, unquote, vote hacking. Well, you know, the Russians getting involved with the, yes. with the election. And so he does this petulant. We'll expel some spies as if we didn't know that they were spies thing. Uh, Vladimir Putin's original reaction was, I, I, we're going, you know, we're going to get back at you for this. Right. Sons of bitches. Uh, Flynn has not just one, but several communications mm-hmm. with the ambassador. And then suddenly Putin comes out and says, ah, why don't you just come over to, you know, the house for, for Christmas? We're not going to expel anybody. And then Trump uh, tweets like, see, I told you he was a smart guy. And everybody pins their tweets and <laughs> cups each other's privates. And it's great. Um, so that happens in December. And we can assume not just like because the NSA is spying on everyone, but because the CIA right. and, and and hopefully anyone who's involved with the U.S. intelligence is just recording conversations with Ruskies. I mean, these that, are, dip- that, yeah, that, no, these I, are diplomatic is, exchanges. Yeah. There's no yeah. question about that. So, yeah. Um, uh, Flynn has these conversations in late December. Uh, Ignatius has his column in January 12th. Okay, and so this now makes it a public thing. And the White House is asked. uh, Mike Pence is sent on the Sunday shows Mm -hmm. and he has conversations with Flynn, which leads him to believe that Flynn didn't bring up the topic of sanctions at all. This is according to the White House. According to the White House. Official official responses. They didn't know. And they kept saying it over and over again. And Pence. We don't know according to Trump, but according to those people. Right. That was Flynn's take on it at the time. Um, So that's where it lay. Uh, until January 15th. Around January 26th is when um, FBI investigators who've been looking into uh, people who are involved with the Trump campaign and administration and their ties with Russia um, say, you know, it's been a month at this point for them. Um, And it's also been 10 days since Mike Pence was pretty vociferously saying, oh, Flynn said X. And they come out and say, well, but um, no, he's actually lying. They present that information to Barack Obama and also to Donald Trump. OK, this is uh, this is uh, the uh, attorney general Yates. Mm-hmm. I, I think they'd foreshadowed some of that. Uh, Barack Obama was out of the picture sure. in January 26. Sure, sure, but sure, sure. He foreshadowed some of that. To in, Bar- in either Obama. case, the, the administration was made aware of this and at least knew 
that some that in some way, shape, or form, three weeks ago, he had been dishonest with them. And this triggers an internal investigation at the White House. Uh, depending on who you read about it, uh, Ryan's Priebus is leading this, or other people are leading this, in which there's a lot of conversations with Flynn, where they brought in, and Flynn says, "No, I didn't talk about the sanctions. What are you talking about? No, I didn't talk about sanctions. What are you talking about?" Uh, it keeps going. This is again still the White House's account. White House's account, right. um, uh, and so then. Uh, four or five days ago, whenever it was, um, I th- the way I read it is that the those intelligence community people said, fuck it, <laughs> let's go to the post and tell them. That's when you had these two stories that we talked about on Friday of nine sources yeah. at the Washington Post, eight or nine at, at, that, at the New York Times. And that's the thing, Times. when you say people, I mean, this is a lot of yeah. high ranking, we can presume, but I, we don't know. Uh, people who are breaking the law, who are committing felonies. Yes. In this particular case. Very much so. And sharing information with the press. Yeah, these um, are high rank. I mean, to have from, access to that level of information. Um, is a obtained from, from very, very highly confidential in, intelligence, which which interestingly, the reason I, I point to this is so far as I can tell, and so far as those accounts that have been leaked, and perhaps there's more information that has been leaked, but we don't know yet, um, and we'll potentially learn later, that is perhaps the only law that was broken here. Well, it is not clear. The Logan Act might have been broken, well, but, this it's, is, but well, it's a wanna, law that doesn't I wanna, matter. Yeah, I want to talk about the Logan Act because it's not only a law that doesn't matter that no one knows. Can we talk about, about Logan's run after we talk about Logan? The <laughs> we Logan can. Act? We, yeah. we can yeah. because Logan's run is actually far more relevant, and more yeah. people have some idea what it, what it is. In fact, more <laughs> lawyers so know what Logan Run is yeah. than Logan's Act. Yeah. Um, you just call it Logan it is, Run. Logan yeah, Run. Yeah. 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 Logan's, yeah. And I actually called it Logan's Act. Something about so Logan It was backwards. But but in either case, I mean that is the only law. It's been broken here. And what, what I find super interesting and look, all lies matter. Do you see what I did there? Mm-hmm. Um, but some lies, ever admit it. but yeah. some lies matter more than others. Ooh. Ooh. Um, and in this particular case, flip the script. I want him. I'm, I'm fine with him getting fired. I am completely fine with hit with the leak happening in this particular case. I don't think that if you want to make the intelligence itself uh, confidential, perhaps that's appropriate. Uh, but what's certainly not appropriate is making an official state secret, the making the fact that this man lied an official state secret. That doesn't make any sense whatsoever. Yeah, we need to however see that revelation, transcript. However the revelation happens. But again, I don't know what's happened here. And what we have seen happen are sort of this this incredible response from the press. The New York Times has this huge piece yesterday uh, on Valentine's Day, sort of going through the the revelations here. We've seen repeated stories about the administration effectively lying um, about this, or not the administration, perhaps, but Flynn lying and other people misrepresenting the truth based on what they had been told by Flynn. But the worst thing that seems to have happened, or the most consequential, is that the Putin administration, the Putin regime, doesn't actually respond aggressively um, or in kind when there are all sorts of banishments happening in the United States. What am I missing? Well, in, in terms of, <laughs> in terms of, of that thing, no, I, I agree with you. And, and which I, which I, actually I, seems like a good thing. Because not want, getting our spies kicked out of Russia is probably, is probably what it, I think it's in, most people would want. I think it's mostly inconsequential one way or the other. Um, and but, it's, but I agree with you that the, at the root thing that everyone's lying about on top of and getting excited about on top of that one discrete with the ETE, not the EET, because yeah. yeah. you know people sometimes confuse that when we're talking audio here. That one discrete thing, 
It, it, it's nothing. I, I mean, honestly, it, it's nothing. It might have broken the Logan Act, and I don't give a shit. Uh, it doesn't really amount to anything. I mean, Jimmy Carter was talking to the Ruskies in 1976. Ronald Reagan, from what I understand, was having at least one bit of conversation, maybe with the Iranians. <laughs> in, in, oh, here we go. The Gary Sick, uh, Gary Six book, right? This is the that's no. The, I mean, weren't were they not? Yeah, I mean, actually, yeah. I wanted to throw it's it a, to you. As, it's a long story, but yeah, as I a mean, question, the, 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 I mean, transition. Yeah. Transition yeah. presidencies do reach out to people and say, hey, look, there's yeah. going to be a new boss in town in January. And I mean, it's mind. it's obviously redolent of something a little more sinister when you have three people associated with the Trump campaign and with with the Trump administration being looked at pretty closely for their ties to Russia and yeah, Russian but intelligence. But that story was bullshit, dude. Which is, I, is which that, is, you, you think so? I do. I mean, the New York Times story that dropped last night is bullshit. I mean, not bullshit. Wait, wait, wait. that's two. Those are two different things. <coughs> I mean, this. I read the Times story, and it, and and buried in the bottom of that, it's like, well, you know, there's a, gr- a great hedge at the bottom of that story, and you have to get you know nine or ten paragraphs in to see that hedge about you know um, the communications with. Well, you don't, um, you don't want to spoil the surprise. Yeah, well, exactly, exactly. <laughs> you definitely don't want to do that because people don't read beyond the first paragraph if they even get there. They don't read beyond the t- beyond the title. But beyond the title, especially if it's posted on Facebook. But that those interactions. I think with Russian intelligence and of course they have the caveat in the story where it's like wittingly or unwittingly and that's something that an editor makes you put in because you can't prove something like that and they'll just say it was unwitting I had no idea this guy was a, you know an FSB agent these guys are pretty sophisticated they know what they're doing you know, I mean if you're talking to somebody who is a Russian official in, back in the Cold War it was always people that were um, uh, stationed in New York or LA or London uh, and they were correspondents from Itartas which yeah. was always that everybody, everybody's diplomatic was either diplomatic weird diplomatic cover um, but like you know it was a trade uh, I was like trade representatives yeah. and 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 correspondents, <laughs> quote unquote, of Itartas. But you know, if you're talking to Russian officials, you should always presume that they're spies or that if they're talking uh, to Gazprom. Yeah, they probably probably have some. You know, the FSB probably has their hooks into them. I, you know, one of the things that has been kind of forgotten about was the, these these late these intelligence leaks about certain elements of that BuzzFeed published dossier that they believe to be true. Um, that doesn't surprise me. And of course, the, the, they have to say, well, the salacious stuff we don't know. And that's not what we're talking about. So, I, you know, I don't think that the intelligence agencies are going to go out with things like that when they use this stuff as a weapon that isn't true. But they, I actually but don't are, think that. But I, don't, are, I don't think they're going to do that. But aren't I mean, there they things gotta, in, the, in the dossier that are pretty damn, pretty damn boring? I mean, the, the fact that the, that the Putin administration <laughs> wanted Donald Trump to win. Yeah, like, well, I mean, actually, I don't. I really don't think. I, I think that that what is going to be let on in these media stories and how you talk to somebody on deep background about this stuff. I mean, they're asking what stuff that they think is true. Uh-huh. The intelligence person is going to say, "This is the part that's off the record," but I'm going to tell you, it's basically this stuff, and this is the part that's on background. This, you know, there's some stuff they that's true. They talk to six or seven or two or three or whoever, however many people. Yeah, I don't think that the intelligence agencies are coordinating in a way that is that sophisticated to go out with things that are that are lies and basically untrue. I do believe, I mean, when you have Paul Manafort running your campaign, Paul Manafort is not a good guy, in, especially as it relates to Russia. I don't know what he's like in any other, in any other universe, but Viktor Yanukovych was paying Paul Manafort 
at the time of the Maidan revolution where people were being shot in the streets. Right. Viktor Yanukovych is a puppet, a scumbag, a tool of Moscow. He now resides in Moscow. You're a he puppet. Will, he will never be. <laughs> You're the puppet. <laughs> and, that's, and that's true also. Um, but I don't believe that the intelligence uh, agencies now are leaking stuff that they're making up out of whole well, cloth. This is... And I think that it's back in a way to, to, to the Iraq war intelligence is the one thing is that, that people get really excited about after the church commission in the 1970s that, that, that investigated CIA mm-hmm. activities all around the world. Yeah. And that kind of, in all the movies, Movies, the paranoid seventies movies, and then the Iraq War intelligence. That sort of earlier idea of the CIA poisoned the way we thought about the intelligence. And I've talked about it in the show before. Is that the CIA w- was wrong, but they weren't lying. They weren't making the administration was taking the CIA's intelligence and actually, like th- that's actually the really weak link. And right. they, they, they actually were squeezing. They it. were squeezing it and plumping it up. And you see this stuff with the yellow cake stuff, etc. But. The intelligence that the, the the American intelligence agencies and the BND in Germany and French intelligence agencies, the MI5 and MI6 had, was all basically the same, and it was wrong. But I really doubt, and there's not a ton of evidence of this stuff, of just leaking wholesale lies that ultimately will be proven to be lies. That you're, I mean, you're not going to dislodge somebody. They dislodged Flynn with something that was true, and it's, and to your point. Is it the end of the world? Is it something that, well, not really. But I suspect, you know, I think Eli might be slightly wrong about this. And he has got very good sources, so I I don't want to sort of doubt him on this. But he makes a similar point of how important is this kind of stuff. I do believe that the sacrificial lamb here is in with the knowledge that there's other stuff out there. And that they want to not kind of stick to their guns right now and say, we're going to stand by Mike Flynn and then antagonize the intelligence agencies even more. And what else is out there? What else is going to come tumbling down? But, but this, for the most part, it, I mean, we have to speculate here because it isn't I haven't seen a, a more devastating sure. sort of piece of uh, a more devastating accusation. Actually, I've seen lots of accusations and I've seen lots of people just asking questions. Um, there was uh, the piece in Politico um, earlier this week. Um, well, I guess yesterday, um, because it is the 15th and this all happened yesterday. Who who told Flynn to call Russia um, is yeah. the is the title of the article. Well, perhaps nobody. Perhaps nobody. Um, and then there's the the very. He's also long... made friends with these people. You know, the guy spoke at an RT dinner and yeah. he's paid yeah. for it. I mean, he's not it's not unfamiliar. It's not like no. You know, I mean, this, like, this, this is kind of, kind of yeah. no, but to know I, these people and talk to them. And and I mean, Thomas L. Friedman, who I know you are a huge oh fan my God, of. What Matt a Welch. piece of shit that um, column was. What what Trump is doing is not okay. Is the title yeah. of this article? It's very good to know this. I wasn't aware of that. I agree with that headline. Yeah, yeah. It's not okay. But similarly, it's. What do what is it that the Russians have over Donald Trump? Are they in fact holding him over a barrel? I don't think about it that way. Do they have they got information from it? I'm just I just want to know. I mean, at what point do we actually need some sort of material evidence before we go around sort of beginning to substantiate by way of continuing to suggest that there is a connection here, that he is the Manchurian president. Uh, wait, uh, just just to be clear about this. And, and, and not, I'm not Matt, saying you're doing yeah, that. Before I'm, I'm saying that, it, that is happening it's, publicly. It's, sure, but it's it's not a binary thing that's either Manchurian presidency or somebody who's who's like just not involved with Russia at all. Um, but this gets to the problem that I think 
on one side on the right, Eli's talking about Greenwald on the other side and sort of Damon Linker in the middle, actually, um, is that, you know, deputizing, we're not deputizing, them, they're deputizing themselves, intelligence officials to selectively leak stuff and say, this is true and maybe I'll show you and you can't report it, but I'll confirm it to you. That is the only way. It's not like there's a, a free market in taping calls yeah. of uh, you know Russian officials. They hold all this information and they are using it in this very particular way. If they are confirming stuff that's in that report, for instance, and it's sort of counter to what I was just saying, and I'll you know make this point and say, yeah, this is possibly true. Why are they not leaking that stuff if it is of grave importance? And that's just it. I, I suspect it's probably or. Not. Is it a drip, drip, drip kind of thing that we're going to these we're going to take these guys out one at a time? You know, Eli quoted, a, I think, a senator, a congressman saying that, you know, first, you know, first it's it's uh, Flynn and then maybe Bannon next and maybe this guy <laughs> next. And it's like, well, you know, if they have material like that, you should probably be worried about something else. If, you, if they can actually do that in a drip, drip, drip way. Uh-huh. But but it is really scary that, you know, I mean, giving out secrets in a selective way. I mean, aren't we mad at Edward Snowden for doing that? Who is we? Well, intelligence officials are. And now they're like, you know, the only (laughs) difference is what I want to do. Yeah. I want to do this on my own terms. I don't want to do it in a wholesale way like Edward Snowden did. And of course, because those documents are out, the documents are out there. But we haven't gotten much beyond the initial uh, flood, by the way, of of Snowden material. There's a lot of other stuff that hasn't come out. So that's a drip, drip, drip. I mean, they're basically doing in a controlled way, in a political way, what Snowden did. What's interesting here also is they're doing it in an environment where the uh, Republican majorities in uh, Congress are not doing – jack shit for the most part in terms of what would normally be oversight. I mean, imagine Jason Chaffetz. Well, now Jason Chaffetz is looking into whether or not the uh, winter White House uh, security is uh, sufficiently robust. Yeah. This is uh, Donald Trump's private property, his golf his golf course. Which is better than uh, doing nothing, I guess. Uh, you know, and, and, uh, and it's important to make sure that, uh, you know, people aren't improperly enriching in Ivanka Trump's like stupid clothing line or whatever. Um, but and by, and by people, you mean Kellyanne, uh, <coughs> Kellyanne. Yeah. Other, not, otherwise not otherwise known as the next to go. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. But uh, it's, prepare, prepare another award that, for me. That's coming next. <laughs> Rand Paul was asked yesterday about whether they he thinks that there should be some more investigations uh, having to do with Flynn and the Russia stuff. And he's like, you know, if we're if we're just going to be inve- Republicans on Republicans investigating, that's going to get in the way of doing, you know, doing important things like uh-huh. replacing Obamacare. Yeah. That's a bad answer. I, look, that's a bad answer. I, I would, and here's a, why it's a bad answer, uh-huh. because Rand Paul and Mike Lee, specifically among the two of them, have talked for years, rightly so, convincingly, movingly so, about how Congress has abdicated its role as one of the three main branches of government. It yes. has abdicated its role in responsibility for the ship of state. And what he's saying by that answer, and I understand what he's doing and I have sympathy for him, um, and a, I will even defend his haircut if it comes to that. I mean, I, I hope I don't have to. Um, uh, but uh, is that no, sorry, oversight is actually an important part of, of this job here, uh, uh, whether, you know, the Republican is the president or the Democrat is the president. Right. And you can't just willy nilly abdicate that oversight responsibility because it gets in the way of you putting your name on the replacement for Obamacare. These are open questions that are disturbing. But the They're issue becomes legitimately disturbing which, issues. Which ones, though? 
Which which ones are legitimately disturbing for the, me? The accusation. Yeah. Yeah. Please. Yeah. Tell me. So for me, the uh, uh, legitimately disturbing accusation is that. Um, and, and again, this is tied to a New York Times story that I think is, was garbage uh, from yesterday. Not garbage, but like it, uh-huh. was, it was inconclusively and, uh, and unsourced. But they leaked from FBI investigations into Roger Stone, Paul Manafort, and a couple of Flynn and one other character, Carter uh, Carter Page. Carter Page um, uh, saying, and so it was it was a inconclusive, anonymously sourced kind of you know partial look at from an investigation uh-huh. into Trump campaign people who had a lot of contacts depending on who you're talking to with Russian intelligence that to me is disturbing i want to i want to find out more about that i want to find out more about i want to see actually uh, donald trump's uh, tax returns right I don't think that uh, be, uh, partially because of what you've said here about tax returns, you being rich, unlike me, <laughs> yeah. uh, that it, we it's won't see much. But I just I, I, I want to see the transcript of the conversation that Flynn had with the ambassador. I just want us to like, be able to judge for myself. Yeah. And so I want Congress to use its investigative authorities and for Republicans to lead with the, yeah, we're not going to do that because this isn't as important as Benghazi is a great advertisement well, look, yeah, of their absolute fucking feckless of this. They are not serious human beings. If you're going to be a branch of government Mm -hmm. that is going to be a branch of government, that is part of what you do. It's oversight. And just because you have power and some goonbag is the head of the government doesn't mean (laughs) that you would like look the other way when the goonbag does his shit. Can I just interrupt here and uh, really underline that word goonbag? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I don't think it's like a Southern California thing. That's just a map thing. You just just made that up. You you absolutely made that up. Uh, You know, it's funny, Donald Trump, who who, um, was... um, berating the Obama administration for saying the obvious thing that ISIS understood and that everyone in Iraq understood that the, an, an assault in Mosul was coming up pretty soon. And he's like, you don't show your hand. You don't show your hand. I'm waiting for him to actually Foreign say the same thing about the, about the intelligence uh, 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 officials who are leaking stuff is saying, you know, we're basically telling the Russians, you know, we're listening to your calls. These are the calls we listen to. This is, you know, the phones that you, the, you know, get a burner, guys. I mean, but who doesn't we're, know yeah, that, yeah. that they're head diplomats? No, like no, 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 I'm not, no, no. I'm not saying that this yeah. is, I'm saying to Trump, Donald Trump's point, who is very upset about, yeah. like, we said uh, that we're going to attack Mosul. Can you believe it? They were giving away the farm. I'm waiting for him to say the, the, the same thing here. But, you know, the FBI... CIA, NSA, DIA, all this stuff, they cannot create investigations out of whole cloth. They can't create this edifice of like, we are investigating ties of these random guys to uh, random guys. I mean, these are not people like, like, you know, uh, Mike Flynn should be talking to the Russian ambassador. That doesn't surprise me. It's not necessarily illegal. It's not necessarily a bad idea. I guess, you know, I would definitely agree that the what the, the tone and the temperature of the conversation is definitely something I'd be interested in hearing what that was. But, you know, why is Paul Manafort, why would Roger Stone be talking to officials in Russia? Well, they the Russians understand. And again, to the point about, you know, we would expect them to be, be tapping these calls. We would expect the Russians to try to be interfering in the United States election because they've been doing this since the Cheka well, was created in 1917 sure. and probably before that. Yeah. But, you know, this is not a surprise to anyone. I don't believe that if you had a different candidate 
even if it was someone that the intelligence agencies hated and somebody that, that was being attacked by the intelligence agency, if it was a Marco Rubio or somebody like that, you would be able to even string together a tissue of lies about somebody having deep contacts with Russian officials and Russian intelligence agencies and people who used to get money and paychecks from Viktor Yanukovych, which means money and paychecks from the Kremlin. There's no independent money at that time. There's just Ukrainian money. I mean, this is no, this where is, that's coming from. This is, this is uniquely, this we, is unique in that respect. A ledger was found after the Maidan revolution that had, um, you know, dollar amounts going to Paul Manafort, who was running the Trump campaign. Right. I mean, this is and that money comes from Moscow. So the guy that's basically instrumental at that point, and that's why they dump him. I mean, it's not right. Donald Trump does not like to dump people. Right. They dump him because there is a direct connection of him accepting money from effectively a cutout for the Kremlin for work that he was doing a year before that ended up in the We're deaths of Paul, civilians. Paul Manafort. Paul Manafort. His, uh, his consultant. Yeah. And, you know, I talked to, I've been talking which, to a number of people. Yeah. Which has, in fact, I mean, there's been some there's been reporting on this. Yeah. There has been an investigation on this. Here's, here's the issue. Right. I mean, we've got eight or nine sources for the the firing um, the leaks that led to the firing that mm-hmm. unpacked or uncovered a, a very inexplicit lie um, to to be blunt. Right. An explicit lie about whether or not sanctions were discussed with the Russians. The other the other stuff that we're talking about. Yes. Investigate it. Let there be let there be some interest taken in it. There's no doubt about it. I mean, there's a great deal of sort of partisan partisan um partisan gamesmanship that is taking place it is uh, it's not unlike the shifting positions and perspectives on uh, on leaking um as uh, as glenn greenwald actually pointed out yesterday in a piece that i thought was quite good uh, about this stuff which we, we i guess alluded to already in this conversation yeah. um but i still i still sort of find myself in a place where absolutely they should be investigating things but i also think that they should be investigating things that matter of great substance. And it's not that this is inconsequential. It's just that there really has been reporting on this. And it appears that the FBI and these various intelligence organizations have have, in fact, looked at it. And we haven't seen to the extent it's there anything leaked that is so significant and profound that it actually gives us. Well, I think if there's, I mean, just for great. Well, think of it this way. I mean, if there's something that is really profound and very serious, uh-huh. that's something that somebody would be basically prosecuted on. I don't think they're going to leak that stuff. I mean, I think they, they're they going to all be prosecuted for this stuff. I well, yeah, but you know, it's a pretty flimsy prosecution. I mean, if they, I mean, Logan Act stuff. Who cares? Um, if they're going to prosecute somebody for direct contacts. Uh, with Russian intelligence agencies, it's a very hard thing to prosecute, too, because you can just say it, the yeah. whole thing's inadvertent unless they have, you know, intelligence and signals intelligence that actually capture people on tape acknowledging this. I think the problem here, though, is the bigger problem is that they should, to your point, they should be investigating this because it's serious and they should be investigating more serious things, too, which I suspect they're also doing. And if they had tangible evidence, they probably would have brought it to the president or have. I in precisely the don't way know if they they're going to with this president. But, I don't know if that's going to happen. But again, go back to, to the timeline. <laughs> they had tangible evidence. Right. They brought it to the president yeah. and then heard Bupkis. He didn't do with He didn't revoke Mike Flynn's security clearance. That yeah. only got revoked today. <laughs> right. Yeah. Like so he sat on this thing. He didn't share it with Pence. They launched their internal investigation. We, Flynn kept. We don't. We don't don't know whether or not he shared it with Pence, but yes. I mean, I, I, I'm I, hear su- you. I sufficiently trust the reporting of it. I mean, there's a difference between the nine source stories that are incredibly specific and concrete about what they're talking about, mm-hmm. and you can feel that there are people in the room who are talked to, and then that thing from the New York Times, which is like, ah, here's some stuff.
stuff from an investigation and actually it's not conclusive. Yeah. But everyone's going to get excited about it because it's the day after Flynn or the day of, of Flynn resigning. I think there's a there's a quality of difference. But um, I think that that timeline matters in which they feel like, I presume, that their exertions were ignored and weren't acted on in any kind of timely fashion by the administration. And 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 I think that has to do that plus calling the CIA a bunch of Nazis probably yeah. <laughs> affected well, st- their stupid Nazis who got the who got the Iraq war wrong. But but to, one more final thing yeah, on this and it's and it's more in agreement with your point is that you know if this stuff is um, of kind of moderate significance. If mm-hmm. it's if it just kind of raises a few alarm bells, the one thing that that we should probably pay attention to is the way it's being handled and being treated by by the media because there is blood in the water. And I don't necessarily think this is entirely theological. The media likes to chase stories, like to break stories. They like to, you know, they like, you know, palace intrigue. Mm -hmm. And they're, but but I think there's obviously even the appearance of palace. Yeah, and I think there's obviously (laughs) a little bit more um, kind of, let's say, motivation this time around. But what, 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 the way we handle these stories when they're partially sourced, we talk about Iraq, right? And there is, you know, real death that happened in Iraq, huge tragedies for the Iraqi people, uh, for the region, for American troops who died, American troops that were wounded, et cetera. So we talk about that in the appropriate way that w- when we look back at it, how could we have processed this intelligence, the reporting on this differently? Everyone says, you know, it was uh, McClatchy that was really doing the job in the right way. Everybody else was kind of going along with it. We need to learn those lessons. I think don't think you'll find a journalist that was alive at the time, reporting at the time, pro or con, that wouldn't or hasn't said something along those lines at some time in their life, right? It, does it have to be of grave importance to learn those lessons? Does the end result have to be of grave importance? Does it have to mean that American troops are occupying a foreign capital or trying to, you know, hold a, Shun, a Sunni Shia divide together? Or can it be that we apply those lessons to something like this? Because we say, oh, it's really sketchy intelligence, and we're getting it from from intelligence officials who have a vested interest in the data that they've collected, and they're presenting it in a very particular way, and we bought it hook, hook, line, and sinker. Are we buying something else hook, line, and sinker right now? I don't know. I suspect that we're not for a variety of reasons. I've talked to some people about this that have done reporting on it, and they make some convincing cases. But what is happening now is a guy like Thomas Friedman, who is a great monument to failing up in journalism, a complete hack, um, a terrible writer, somebody very who dis- nice to me. doesn't understand the lessons of, of history and who has uh, supported the Iraq war, right? I think Friedman supported the Iraq war. Oh my God, yeah. yeah. And so- Suck, yeah. period, on, period. Yes, that's right. This, Yeah, and, and so, and so he, he supports the Iraq war, right? And then the hand-wringing happens later. And of course, all of these guys- you know, run from their previous positions and pretend that they never happened. I mean, guys like who make careers out of it, like Chris Hedges, the sort of leftist guy, was the guy was one of the guys that when he was at the New York Times was reporting bad intelligence, and nobody remembers this because Chris Hedges is professionally not sorry like Andrew Sullivan was, but professionally just went in the other direction and said, you know, all oh, these neocons, etc. They didn't, you know, talk about their their part in it. Now, to get to today. Uh, uh, Thomas Friedman has a piece in the, in the New York Times, and I'm going to read you a line from it because I think it's pretty, I think it's pretty interesting. Um, ladies and gentlemen, oh my we were, God, he's going Moynihan. Oh yeah, la- ladies, ladies and gentlemen, and gentlemen, ladies and gentlemen, we were attacked 
on December 7th, 1941. Oh, no. We were attacked on September 11th, 2001. Don't do it, Tom. Don't do it. And we were attacked. Nope. On November 8th, 2016. God damn it! Same thing. Okay. Yep. Some idiot wrote this, guys. Here we go. The most <laughs> recent attack didn't involve a horrible loss of life. Yeah, sure. But it was <laughs> devastating in its own way. You know, and of course he says, and no editor picks this up at the Times, um, you know, the entire intelligence community concluded that Russia hacked our election by deliberately breaking into, you know, there's the, the caveat, uh, by breaking into the Democratic National Committee computers. That's not really what happened. Um, and what have we done about it? Other than a wrist slap against Moscow, we've moved on. Then a full paragraph. That's not okay. And then, of course, he does it. <laughs> and then, of course, by the way, he thinks that's so powerful. This, this, is, new, what a, this, this, is, what a, this is what a hack columnist does. Another long paragraph. And that then that one ends. That's not okay. And then, and then, I'm not looking to go to war with Russia over this. Back in the 1990s, this column was among the loudest voices warning against NATO expansion. So you're wrong about everything. Uh, so Thomas Friedman, <laughs> do you know who supposedly yeah. I'm, I'm learned the lessons of the Iraq War, is now breathing fire about we need to do something. I'm not saying we go to war. I'm not saying this. And you just don't say what you're supposed to do. It's a chest puffery. It is this chest beating nonsense that you get from idiotic mustachioed columnists like this. And this is all based on what, my friend? Now, as I said, I believe on balance that a lot of this stuff appears to be problematic, true, maybe partially true. It's something that definitely should be investigated. Did Thomas Friedman learn anything about the intelligence community after his wholesale embrace of their intelligence in 2003? I did. Three quick. It's not okay. Three quick points about Tom Friedman. <laughs> One is that he kept saying uh, that in six months, the things are really going to turn around in Iraq, so much yeah. so that um, uh, the lefty, uh, joyless, uh, humorless blogger, uh, Atrios, um, Called it a Friedman unit, which is, yeah. pretty, which is pretty funny. That's pretty funny. Uh, we're only, you know, it's the 13th Friedman unit, and this is the thing's going to turn around. Second, uh, I wrote a very commendable uh, cover story for Reason uh, five years ago called The Simpletons, uh, uh, focused on, I actually found a picture of Thomas Friedman and David Brooks. They were sitting together on Meet the Press. It was perfect. Uh, and talking about the perils of do something punditry, mm-hmm. where it's just like, we got to do something. We got to throw something against the wall. Oh, God. This is the greatest example of what you wrote about. About. This is do something punditry. Yeah, yeah. yeah, like it doesn't matter yeah. what. We've had a financial crisis. We have to do something, right? Yeah. Uh, or you know. And the, by the way, just, just to your to your point, the last one of the last sentences in this piece. We need to get to the truth, which apparently Thomas Friedman's already got to, um, because he's said it was just as bad as 9-11. Um, you <laughs> know, the small, the small comparison. No, no, we need to same. get to the truth. Look at squarely in the look at squarely in the eye, and then act proportionally. <laughs> Wow. Yeah, it, which is what? which is the exact opposite. Act proportionately. Which act is the exact proportionately. Opposite Think local, <laughs> act proportionately. Uh, the final thing is he referenced uh, his uh, this column's <laughs> opposition to NATO expansion. And I can hear, you know, Camille's argument against NATO expansion. That's fine. He's wrong, but I, that's fine. I, I get where it's coming from. Um, Thomas Friedman, his reasons for opposing NATO expansion was that we were letting the ethnic Czech vote determined American policy. 
Mm. I'm not making this up. Go, go. Is this Did like you say Steve Bannon? Like APAC or A-check? Yeah, A-check. <laughs> it was like, you know, if we're just letting these goddamn Hungarians, <laughs> Hungarian Americans and like Czech Americans tell us what to do. And I'll be good goddamned if I'm going to like go out and our boys are going to die for this. Narbit. <laughs> he was making up ethnic lobbies that have never, yeah. ever even once remotely existed. Can, it's very can frustrating. I, but can I'm I not willing to settle for evicting a few Russian agents <laughs> no. and then moving on. No, don't. Yeah, I want to kill them with fucking polonium. I mean, what is it like? I love all this. I, I'm not willing. I'm not going to settle. And then I want to no rub bacon fat on my erect nipples. Yes. I, can I, can I really, you, you guys about in? Thomas can, I, yourself can I, can I reel you guys in yeah, just yeah, a little yeah. bit? What are you talking about? Thomas Friedman was very nice to me when I met him <laughs> on the Island of Nevis the week that I got married to my wonderful wife. You, wait, you had sex so with nice Thomas to Friedman? You told me this, and I just remembered. I yeah. saw him at, in a in the pool. And you asked him about what? this at um, at uh, the Roosevelt Hotel in L.A. Yeah, well. Well, I mean, I see, I see. We him were we were vacationing too. together. <laughs> I, I'm sorry. Which one of you are more gay right now? Yeah. I, I'm just saying he's 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 fine. Not and that there's anything wrong with the Lexus and the olive he's tree. Fine? Which he's I fine. which no no he's he was he was very nice to me then. And the Lexus and the olive tree was actually a very useful book to me. And it, I read it in college. And, and European and, and you European, learned how writing is and, bad. And no, European no, no, no. libertarians. No, I read it. I read I it very that. early, very early like in college. And I I was I was not particularly thoughtful at the time that I encountered this book. With respect to the virtue of free markets, and Don't he you made want to meet that young case, Camille? and I appreciated that. Yeah, young, so, unthoughtful Camille. Oh, Do you think he was so, a thug? Oh, this is this so, is this is yeah. the truth. Is I, I I was always much better than most of them, yeah. uh, and by them I mean people broadly. And if oh, you thought I meant something geez. else, shame on you. Wow. you are what's wrong with America. More on that later. Yeah. Um, I, I did want to talk about Kellyanne segue. Conway quickly. Yes, um, who has been getting the. Sh- Shit kicked out of her yeah. all over the place. She is the ugly kid in class who smells funny and wears the same clothes all the time and that everyone picks on. Really? It's sad and it's awful, what? except I am not at all sympathetic to her. Here's my beef with the Kellyanne Conway thing, mm-hmm. right? When Matt Lauer decides to sort of rip into her again over this same Matt what Lauer. I think is not particularly important yeah. scandal. Um, that is uh, uh, dominating people's attention right now. Um, Matt Lauer beats the snot out of her a week after that has happened on CNN. Uh, after a week of pretty much everyone saying that she shouldn't even be allowed to go on television anymore. It is fun Ridiculous. to beat the snot out of her. The, 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 the reality, however, is that the universe is filled with people like Kellyanne Conway who don't necessarily have a command for facts, um, which is a polite way of saying that they oftentimes talk out of their asses on any number of important issues. There are media organizations around the planet who are filled with them. And in the United States, that is also true because it's also in the United States. Um, the, the, there is a superabundance of folks like that. And I think it is worth noting that there are plenty of lies Plenty of people who spin, who answer the same question in multiple ways. This is not whataboutism. It is me pointing again to this reality that we find ourselves in, that Donald Trump plays by different rules and gets called for lots and lots of things, whereas plenty of other people So it is passes. whataboutism. So no, I'm not so saying what that's... I'm whataboutism, I think, excuses <laughs> excuses those other things. It, so what are you doing? it excuses what, are you doing what Donald Trump does. No, I'm not excusing it. I want... I don't think... That when people say, and I and I saw this, like sensible people, um, yeah, more of that. Matt Lauer should go after people. We need to call liars out. 
you want to call out their liars and you don't want to call out that call out yours. So you which were, is which is the point what that I'm you hearing, made earlier. What I'm hearing is that you are gratified and happy with Matt Lauer's performance. I want him to do that. No, I'm saying that is easy. That and is easy. and you wish that he would have applied the same scrutiny yes, to to every people, to all people all the time. Okay. Absolutely. Okay. Yes. Uh, just some, the, just the, a little consistency. And yeah. look, it's consistent, consistent, thoroughgoing skepticism. This is what I've advocated for for a very long time. Um, and again, it, my heart doesn't bleed for Kellyanne. My heart bleeds for uh, for the rest of you people. It is the, the uh, morning. I'm, I'm morning, filled with compassion. Morning Joe, um, which is a television Could program name them as well. on on uh, on MSNBC that nobody watches except for uh, Joe's family I, I watch when, I watch but when it's Matt only goes on. it is the most it is, popular cable it news show in its fucking in its dis- slot dude yeah we're at like 8 8 in the morning in in Uruguay that's a thing. <laughs> it's like which I think is actually thing. the it's same time zone that's a thing. Know, I, look the thing about morning joe banning Kellyanne Conway is that we're now <laughs> in the moment of media grandstanding is yes. moral yeah. grandstanding that we're at, we're at now and they say um there was a thing that i saw the other day it was like well you know what uh television shows and guests on television shows are there to elucidate and inform the american public not give them fake news i'm sorry guys can i can i burst this balloon a little bit no they are not do you think members of administrations are going up there and saying, I'm going to inform the American people there's actually some evidence that works against me here. I'm going to present that too. Uh-huh. Yeah. No, you don't. Your job, you dumb shits like Joe fucking Scarborough, who's like a crappy congressman and now a really, really bad television host, and that braying hyena next to him who is the daughter of of Zbigniew Brzezinski, that's your talent, my dear, is that you, this is nepotism gone mad. Your job is to fucking grill people you know when you interview people if you don't go the problem is not giving kellyanne conway time on television it's not giving her enough time get 20 minutes with her and beat her like the rumble in the jungle ali beating fraser mm-hmm. get in there and when she lies about something you're lying you're lying this is what george stephanopoulos an absolutely idiotic performance yeah. which everyone was commending and the guy that she's attacking who is an unbelievable bozo stephen miller It's like, do not let him get away with that stuff. You are bad at your job. Your one job as a interrogator and a prosecutor on television is to get people on who lie to you and to make them bleed. Don't allow them to get away with it. And that's a Matt Lauer. Good God. In between, you know, what is he like, uh, you know, (laughs) interviewing Tom Arnold before you come on? Like you're not you don't have the chops to do this, Matt Lauer. If there are people that did have the chops to do this, they would make absolute mincemeat out of her every time she was on. I am dying to interview that woman. I would absolutely love to. I would go through everything she's ever said that's turned out to be false or is false and say, no, 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 you don't do that on my show. You take your mic off and you walk away if you're not going to answer the question that I asked you and give me a straight answer. Don't give me some double talk thing. You know who's very good at this, by the way, and it's a reason his ratings are through the roof, and I don't, you don't have to like him, you don't have to like his politics, is Tucker Carlson is very good as a pit bull interrogator. Carlson's good at that, Jake Tapper is Jake good Jake Tapper is very good at that, you know, and I don't think Jake Tapper, and when CNN said, we we don't, uh, what was the, 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 the tweet, uh, Kellyanne offered uh, us uh, on Sunday 
Uh, we were off just we passed. Those are the facts. That was a CNN tweet. Jesus Those are the facts because we are interested in facts, and and she's not. <laughs> yeah, of course she's not. She's a political spin doctor. That's exactly. But it. do your job. Yeah. Get her on TV and tear her to shreds. It is not easy. I'm watching this and I watch her on TV and I'm like, what is wrong with these people? Where, like, I'm seeing this woman with a big glass jaw jutting out at me and I just want to crack it in two. And they're sitting there allowing her to do this. And then afterwards, they do this grandstanding of like, we're not going to have her on anymore because the point of somebody coming on is to be honest and she's not being honest. She is the president's spin doctor. Treat her as such. Do not treat her as an oracle or as a font of information or true information. Treat her as this is what. We need to know this. See, that's, we need to know what the administration this is. Thinks. This is good. And that's not that is not what aboutism. Like that is the reality of the world. No, I mean, stated I think, stated plainly and explicitly. I agree that what one hand just did wasn't what about. Right, so it was, it was mostly it was mostly violent misogyny. <laughs> <laughs> if it was violent misogyny, all of the feminists wouldn't be applauding loudly as Kellyanne Conway gets the crap kicked out of her by men. On television, no, it's totally Obviously right. Obviously, because I mean, she has even, a vagina. Even tonight, I saw a, like a lengthy uh, discourse on Twitter with uh, Jay Rosen, the journalism professor who I like, and uh, but uh, it can be a little bit shrill on topics like this. You know, everyone agonizing over: Do we disinvite Kelly Conway? Of course, you fucking don't. And and here's a, a, a new breaking story to tie it into. Uh, Bill Maher, on whose show, uh, two of the three of us. Have you ever gone? No, no, no. We should, should work that out. You should. Yeah, well, I should totally do Bill Maher's show. Let's let's work that out. Actually, I, I wouldn't, yeah, you know what? I wouldn't play nice though. It would be one of those things. Like, are you, you looking at me might... like I played nice? No, I'm no, not, you are. You I'm not at me saying like I sold that. Out. I'm looking That's at fine. Michael Moynihan. Um, uh, yeah, I... I've played nice. <laughs> well, like, you were on with Salman Rushdie. It didn't make any sense. Yeah, like, yeah, why yeah, have yeah. like? Well, they almost canceled that because he's because we know each other. Well, so Bill Maher just today was announced that he booked Milo Japanopoulos. Um, oh, good. Um, and, and of course, there was an explosion and people were like, this is so great. Bill will finally rip into him. No, don't put him on television. No, Jeremy Scahill from The Intercept, oh. uh, whose work I think at least two of the three of us respect a lot, if not all three. Depends, uh, on, and, and depends the, on the day. And I the guy like I like, he backed out of the show. He was supposed to be a panelist. And he's yeah. like, I can't do it. I think that's a bad call, Jeremy. I think it's a bad why, call. Why I think that's not? a bad I mean, call. What you do is, is it's not, I mean, it, I can imagine, and I think that, the, let's think of scenarios in which it'd be appropriate to back out of a show like that, is if they put Richard Spencer on, I would say, I don't think I want to go on. And the reason I wouldn't go on is because I don't like this this media trying to, certain elements in the media trying to fulfill their own fantasy about the white power future that's actually, you know, descending upon us right I, now. Although I'd go and say that. Yeah, I mean, I would maybe yeah, go would, and say I would that. castigate yeah, them exactly. Well, exactly. Actually, that's a better point. I would actually, you know, would I could be convinced by you to go on and say, <laughs> I'm Just glad that you have Richard. Five seconds. <laughs> I'm glad you have Richard Spencer on, and I hope his 17 followers yes. are watching. And yeah. if they if they have TVs that have, you know, the subtitles in German, that'd be better for them. You know, I'm not Michael Bert- C. Moynihan. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Moynihan. I'm not booked on, like, he probably, like, you know, asked for my Autograph. I'm like, no, that's the Nazi. <laughs> but like that, that kind of thing. It'd be My, so shocked to hear you. You know, Milo Papadopoulos, or whatever the hell his <laughs> name is, has a very significant following. And we cannot. The reason that all the media is like beating itself up over the right. election is they stuck their head in the sand because they didn't want to acknowledge that people like the 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 actual sort of yeah. typical Trump voter yeah, yeah, yeah. existed, and it's like you can't you can't will Milo Papadopoulos away. It's like the guy is book is number one on Amazon, and it's not even close to coming out yet. Yeah, and in pre sales, it's it's not even number one in pre sales. It's number one on the bestseller list. Wow, this was last week, and the guy has a bazillion followers here, a bazillion followers, and people line up to see him, and they riot because of him. This is something 
to have on TV. Uh, William F. Buckley, when he was doing a firing line, one of the most impressive firing lines, it's actually very difficult to watch because it gets a little much because they just fight so much, is in 68, he had George Wallace on. You, gotta, oh. you can find this on YouTube. And, you know, I know the GQers of the this, world. papering it. Now, people, yeah. please, you should do this. Firing Line is, is remarkable. It's television. pretty interesting. And, and actually, uh, uh, I think they just dumped uh, the Hoover Institute institution. I can never yeah, get that right. Yeah, institution. Uh, just who somehow owns that. They uh, do, yeah. Is that they, true? They, they own their own They office. should give that show. Well, they just, they, they they just, just dumped a bunch of it online. They just did. No, no, Before, no, I'm saying they should give it to us and make it our, they should like just called. let us own well, that well, what they did before actually be it was it was one remarkable. of the reasons it was one of the reasons to have Amazon Prime sorry, because because Amazon Prime had a bunch of old um, and it had the Hoover Institution yeah, logo yeah. at the beginning they had a bunch of old copies of Firing Line it's now disappeared from Amazon Prime and now shown up on YouTube in its full form in a bunch of of episodes really interesting episodes but the sixty eight one is uh, George Wallace and you know I can imagine now like no platform him don't give him it's like no but George Wallace had a significant following and it was something to pay attention to and what this guy believed he won states he won states he absolutely won states and it, it it's really interesting because buckley really goes after him hard and it's a it's like very aggressive back and forth like it almost looks like they want to they want to hurt each other and who would he, win he did that he did that from time to time uh, i think buckley america loses i have no idea i think <laughs> no buckley, i mean like, I think buckley would physical, fight dirty I, yeah i'm trying to think yeah. uh, no yeah, so yeah. i'm actually thinking of the physical I don't know. I, they're, they're both like probably Wallace because he's like racist tend to know how to fight people. No, because they beat up. I don't like, know about Camille's that. No, no, no. They, they, they beat the they beat people up who are who are being like nonviolent. Yeah, they, they yeah, get yeah. their asses shot too. Yeah. We'll, we'll bring that on to talk about that. But do we want to have a, a world in which the Buckleys um, don't debate the Wallaces because we don't want to give the Wallaces uh, ideas oxygen? And I think the fundamental problem of that is actually different th- than the one that I'm pointing out now is that it's it's we do not trust people to hear ideas that we find noxious and dangerous because we don't want them to be convinced by them. to have that idea is to be, you know, imbued with such a sense of, of self-righteousness and pomposity. Yeah. Like only I can actually delineate what's good and bad ideas. We cannot trust others to do it. So we can't have Milo on HBO because he might pick up some followers and say, people who are going to like Milo are going to like Milo. But there's a mod- this is not- there, there might be a modicum of truth to that. That that uh, yeah, you, but once you have people on, you actually give them respectability to the to the. But that's like that that's, the beginning of a totalitarian I, idea. <laughs> I hear, no, I hear. Look, and I'm not saying that you shouldn't. I'm I am saying that this is that is perhaps that can both be a danger. Um, and it could be a danger in both respects, both excluding people and somehow lending them some sort of odd currency. Uh, someone like Alex Jones who can't who can't break into the mainstream media. See, it, sh- it proves that they're lying. Um, that is problematic. It but might by, also by, be problematic by, to, no, to give him a show on television. But, but Alex he, Jones became incredibly successful I, by being kept out of the mainstream No, no, I, I totally hear you. And he's actually and much at, more at this point, interesting. he's more influential than perhaps anybody else in the media. And he's interesting to interrogate because theories. of that. You know, right yeah, now, which right I had now. the opportunity to do. Yeah, but, I mean, yeah, he is. Yeah. He's, he's, not, he's, he's not like some nobody over in the corner. He has connections with the administration. Jesse Walker had a pretty great post about this. Uh, I'm still waiting for that presidential interview from, from a, the Oval Office, the w- InfoWars exclusive with... Uh, well, Donald Jones Trump. told me, um, and it was off camera, and it wasn't off the record, but it was off camera. He told me that the administration, he understood that the administration thought he was probably too extreme. And that, you know, he <laughs> uh, he got that. He was He didn't think that 
that he had a direct line to the administration or they were watching his stuff anymore. And I think he probably understood that that even like white nationalists, you know, Spencer types, that the Trump campaign had no problem picking up their support and didn't necessarily agree with them or want to be a part of their, you know, dog and pony show. But, you know, Donald Trump did call Alex Jones after his victory and uh-huh. thank him. Um, and Jones told me about that phone call. And uh, it's fairly interesting. that Trump I, I imagine him. he didn't he didn't call Mr. Spencer or any other prominent. No, I wouldn't uh, say so. But, 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 but only only because there's actually not a constituency there to help you win elections. Only one that can help you. Yeah. I mean, a lot of people in, and, and yeah. Jones really? has a very big following. Yeah. And, and, and look, we, we, we our ideas of what Donald Trump is and what he thinks vacillate between evil genius and just total dope. Yes. And I think S- that simultaneously he Simultaneously anti-Semite and uh, advocate for the one-state solution as of today. Well, actually. yeah. I mean, he doesn't... And that's actually a great point. That to, I was actually going to mention that time that <laughs> in, is that I don't think he really understands what Alex Jones is about. I don't think he understands what a what a Sandy Hook conspiracy theory is. And if, as you saw in that very, very strange press conference today with Benjamin Netanyahu, it was unclear that Donald Trump knew the difference between a one-state and a two-state solution. Yeah, he was just sort of tossing some stuff out. This yeah, is, this yeah. Is, and uh, that's pretty amazing. Can, can we can we pivot to that? And, and this is the thing. It's, it's, it is breaking news. Uh, I mean, I have not had an opportunity to fully digest um, all of this, but I did read um, the coverage in the New York Times, which I thought was, um, was interesting. Um, not to say that it is the worst thing I've ever read, um, but it, I didn't think it was uh, particularly good. There's a lot of weird, odd contradictions uh, in this piece, which is titled Trump um, Trump meeting with Netanyahu back uh, backs away from Palestinian state. That's that's true. He did back away from the two state solution. He also said explicitly out there during the press conference that he wants them to slow down on the settlements and that both sides would have to give um, while also suggesting um, explicitly that the fundamental problem here, which again, doesn't, is not consistent with what I just said, he also said, but that the fundamental problem is Palestinian hatred. That is the issue and that the, his unconditional requirement here is that the Palestinians recognize that Israel is a Jewish state. I don't, as a, as a goofy, nutjob, anarcho-capitalist libertarian, I actually um, support a much more controversial position. It's the uh, 10 million state solution for the Israeli-Palestinian <laughs> conflict. It is completely unworkable. It is unlikely. Let them fight. It is unlikely to win. No, this is not let them fight. This is every, every man is his own nation. Um, oh, yeah. But, but, in its unworkableness, that is par for the course because neither the one or the two state solution seem to have moved us much closer to security here in the Middle right, East. Right. I mean, right now it's worked for the Israelis in the sense that the Israeli economy is uh, impressive. Well, I mean, they've been holding the cards for I mean, I think half of that's true. But I mean, one of the things I will say, I've, I don't think I've ever said a positive word about Donald Trump in the show. And it's hard to say a positive word about this right now. This is highly qualified but, to this, and it sounds positive. Uh, it is kind of positive because <laughs> because um, Donald Trump said something about settlement expansion in an off the cuff. Yes, like looked at him and he's like, "Yeah, let's rein that in. Let's rein that in." Right. Yes. And and Netanyahu, because of his relationship with the Obama administration, which was a kind of historic low between U.S. Israeli relations. Netanyahu was beaming with a smile the whole time. And then you see later tonight in Haaretz, which is the liberal of the two um, major English language newspapers, and it has a Hebrew language paper too, but the major liberal paper, which is very, very critical of Netanyahu, has a headline, 
Uh, it's 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 plastered across the front page right now. After Trump meeting, Netanyahu says willing to examine reining in settlement construction. So is that a victory for Donald Trump? Well, it will. Although, it remains although he's to be kind seen. Of, although hasn't he kind of sort of said that before? And isn't the real well, issue that back back home it just well, doesn't they, ever happen? Look, they just passed a law. These are recent, illegal settlements anyway. They passed a law recently, which was to say it was controversial is an understatement. And it was, though, basically a sop to the kind of one home party, this very extreme kind yeah. of uh, extreme right party um, that basically allowed the Israel to take Palestinian land and, you know, deed it over to Israelis in a very, very bad kind of, it's a very complicated law, but mm-hmm. it was, it was so controversial that even members of the Likud party opposed it, but he was kind of, it was a sop to people that he needed, especially now he's under investigation that Yahoo. Oh my goodness. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, Siri is, is actually disagreeing Sorry, with me. It's my phone. Uh, but so, so there, I mean, there has been the settlement thing is, is not, Settled. I don't want to mean. Sorry. <laughs> uh, in any way, and and, and as, as a matter of fact, it's been quite the opposite direction recently, because of that poisoned relationship between Obama and and uh, Netanyahu. Trump just walked into the breach, and I don't think he's making great deal. It's just an obvious thing to do, but doing that publicly and saying, "Come on, baby, rein it in, rein in those settlements." During a press conference, as a turning and looking to him and saying that. And then I think, I think he followed that with, you know, that, right, you know, yeah, yeah, it was like something to that. It was like, this, <laughs> did he really? Yeah, he yeah, followed like, that with, 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 you know, that, right? I mean, yeah. you're, you're both going to have to give, you know, that, right? Yeah. To, yeah. to which BB responds, both. He yeah. places the emphasis on both. This is look, it, but it, if that works, then if that, if that, you know, if he's exploiting that previous right. relationship, you know, let's give him credit for that. Because I mean, that is obviously a very big, I mean, he has piece. said, right, that Jared Kushner mm-hmm. is, is brilliant and he's going to go ahead and solve that crisis well this is this is the the odd why the fuck not yeah this is this I mean, nobody else can this do it odd, uh, new york I, times I take anyone at this new point. york times piece which i mean it's it's perhaps worth um looking at at some pieces of this um trump says uh, quote i'm looking at a two-state not a one-state formulation um I like i like the <clears throat> sorry i like the one that both i like the one that both parties like He's, I'm sorry. It's yeah, hard no, to read Donald Trump. I'm not yeah. going to read his part. I'm it's just like, going to read. I'm going to read the take. Really I'm going to read the take time on it. When Camille yeah. is the press secretary yeah. after uh, yeah. Spicy. Yeah, I'm just going to say, I there. mean, come on. You guys know. I mean, seriously. Yeah. <laughs> he's not very good at the whole English thing. Yeah. Um, Mr. Trump's comments were a striking departure from two decades of diplomatic orthodoxy. And and they raised a host of thorny questions about the viability of his position. The Palestinians are highly unlikely to accept anything short of a sovereign state and a single Israeli state encompassing the Palestinians would either become undemocratic or no longer Jewish, given the faster growth rate of of the Arab population. This, interestingly, this is the straight journalism side of The New York Times. Yeah, there there are some conclusions there. There are some. Fairly specific assertions that are being made here, even even if it, they seem um, somewhat indirect. Um, there is also, again, a sharp contrast with what you just drew attention to, Matt, um, which the author acknowledges at the end of the piece. Mr. Trump's assignment of Mr. Kushner to focus on the matter has been taken as a sign of determination. Um, and it goes on to just acknowledge that Mr. Trump has a tremendous amount of confidence in Mr. Kushner, that he actually has given him authority to make decisions in this in this particular situation and that they have a policy of trying to work with um, predominantly Muslim countries that 
share an adversary with Israel, specifically Iran. One other interesting point um, about the totally insane, completely unsafe, authoritarian Trump regime that is going to bring down the United States of America. At least that's what I was told by very smart people. Um, There's a guy named... Um, who I talk to occasionally. Jesus that's a fake name. Right. That's a really? fake name. That's a fake name. You that's let name come on this. I this didn't podcast. say it's real. I'm going to bleep that out because you. I didn't want to say. You called his name. him. I'm going to bleep it out it because you're like a said I wouldn't out him. I'm just. He is one of many people who I speak oh, to right. routinely yes. um, who has had any number of grave concerns about what the Trump administration would actually mean, that the courts would no longer exist, the Constitution wouldn't exist, that at some point when it was time for him to hand over the reins of power, there would no longer be a peaceful transition of government. I think four weeks in, and I'm early, I'm early, four weeks in that most of those concerns are likely overwrought. That most of the articles that we have seen written about this is what the creep of totalitarianism looks like. I think most of that stuff, probably not going to come true. Um, That's not to say that I don't have concerns. And I'm going out on a limb. This is very early. It's four weeks in. Um, What what else do we need to fucking happen in four weeks to get you excited? Well, this is – well, no. This is is the thing. As I've said in the past, I've been excited through three consecutive administrations. I am concerned about the same things I've been concerned about. The one thing that I find really interesting is the utter – incompetence of the Trump administration, the fact that they are tripping over their own shoes, unforced errors, all of the trouble that they find themselves in is not a consequence of the well-organized, sophisticated resistance. Buster Rhymes coming on stage at the Grammys and yelling about President Agent Orange. This sounding, is his name. Sounding for almost Donald exactly Trump. like Alex Jones. Did yeah, you notice that? Kind of did it's sound like, like Alex Jones. Yeah. But I'm just, I'm just saying that that President Agent that Orange. Stuff, <laughs> that stuff has been ineffectual. Right, and and the fact <laughs> of the matter is that the administration isn't isn't getting shit done. Um, for the most part, that's not to say that there aren't bad things. But when I think about like the big things that they might actually get done, my biggest concerns are beginning to be and biggest unique concerns because on immigration and shit like that, those things have been bad for some time. Um, and I think most people's concern about that stuff is sort of fair weather concern. They'll, they'll be fine sure. and they won't give a crap again once they get sure. their guy in office. My biggest concern, however, are with respect to trade policy and economic policy, where he may in fact want very similar things to certain progressives, um, things that I personally, Camille Foster, think are probably not very good policy. Like, that's the stuff where I think he no, could do some very dis- real damage. No, destructive The bad places, yeah. he's going to face all sorts of resistance. And among Republicans, it's not even like he had enormous support. For the most part, they were giving him a wide berth so that they wouldn't get on his bad side because they didn't want to get attacked on Twitter. At some point, even that becomes too damn expensive. Um, and the fact of the matter is the Iran nuclear deal, for example, that he was going to tear up the worst deal in the, deal in the world, it's still a thing. It's still a thing. It's been three and a half it's, weeks. It's yeah. still a thing. Flynn they, at some point they suggested like, that they're not going to do much about it. Did you watch but that? We'll see. Yeah. I mean, Sean Spicer was like, yeah, we're talking. Whoop, well, let's get Flynn out here. Iran is on notice. Iran is on notice. Yeah. Like he went. Yeah. Well, but that, I, I, that guy's think, no longer employed. Interesting. I think that, that the, Shocking. Cons- Incompetence. the concern. Two things. Uh, one is that you should also consider um, after three and a half, four weeks, 
that the administration is going to get better at this stuff, that they will get uh, they will start understanding the levers of government a little maybe, better maybe. and how to do the bad things they want to do. I think your concern about trade is the biggest concern. It should be the biggest concern. And we are distracted by a lot of these kind of, you know, cosmetic things of the way things are presented. Is Sean Spicer a good surrogate? Does uh, Stephen Miller look like uh, Fredo from without the mustache from The Godfather? <laughs> totally, like dead-eyed and like you know, you know, I trust, a little bit more I elongated, you. like sort of like yeah. bred with Arthur Brooks. Sure, sure. <laughs> who, who uh, by the way, is a uh, you know cut his teeth in politics with David Horowitz. Hmm. Um, that's where he he got his. Uh, I talked to David Horowitz about radi- this yesterday. Radical, is more, a story coming out on this soon. Um, it, yeah, I mean, he's uh, Horowitz picked him out of his out of his high school. He, uh, he invited oh. David Horowitz to the high school in Santa Barbara, and they uh, protested it, and Horowitz went, and then, of course, Stephen Miller later uh, became a sort of disciple of Horowitz's, and then he brought him to Duke University, and they protested that, professors and everything. Was it Santa Barbara High? I believe it was, yeah. This, yeah. Horowitz's yeah. memoir is Radical Son. Dos Radical Pueblos Son. is yeah. the only yeah. high school worth a good goddamn in Santa Barbara. Dos, Pue- <laughs> Dos, Pue- Dos Pueblos. DP, shut it. Screw Santa you love Barbara the DP. The, the rich kids, enough, enough. Uh, you've, you've heard us But uh, one final thought on this on trade policy. I mean, we do have to remember that, you know, Donald Trump has to keep Republicans in line and on his side on a lot of these issues. Uh, and that's a tough sell. Uh-huh. I mean, when you have the, the, the Jeff Flakes of the world and Lindsey Graham's and, you know, uh, John McCain and any number of people, um, trade policy is different. Because you have enough of this populist, nativist conservatism that likes this sort of thing on and, you know, knows which way the wind is blowing. You know, Stephen Moore, we've talked like, about. Like entitlements when they're when they're guys. Exactly. About and, it too, you know, no. Stephen Moore, who's made his life as a supply sider and a, and, a, and a free trader and a free market guy is now. Yeah. You know, I think Trump's got a got a an heritage <laughs> foundation, which is a sort of in-house think tank of the administration is now going that way on trade. Now, add to that all the Democrats that would be very happy uh-huh. to blow up trade deals, liberal Democrats, even sort of centrist Democrats that don't think we should renegotiate. And then you have a problem although although maybe a real they'll, real maybe they'll real swing big too. problem maybe they'll swing and change positions we, we can uh, keep our we keep can, our we, we can hope that more people are dishonest uh, than, than, <laughs> than we thought yeah do you know how many of the i think 15 or so cabinet and other confirmationable uh, positions have been total aggregate have been voted against by republicans so far as of this moment right here on uh, february 15th 9 36 p.m i have no idea like add up all of the votes against 15 nominees by Republicans. Yeah. yeah. Three votes. Is it? It's three total. Because two of them were for DeVos, though. Two of them were for DeVos. Yeah. It was uh, Murkowski and Susan Collins. Yeah. Um, and their reasoning was like, our constituents don't like her and we're scared. Um, and then it was Rand Paul against Mike Pompeo, CIA director. That is it. Uh, although today it's is. Good, it's a good point. Yeah. So, like, if you are looking for. Um, Senate Republicans to be the source of your hashtag resistance or your Evan McMullen revival band uh, kind of thing. Um, that's not going to work out. No. Well, those those are also some. I mean, look, to the, and, to and the extent this, it was scary, it was not for the reasons that the uh, that the other people were. This points about. to um, the thing about trade, which mm-hmm. is that that is what's being negotiated. Trade and Obamacare. And we've said this before on the show right. are the two big ticket items coming in and especially on trade. 
Trump is going to force Republicans to eat shit in a way compared to what they have. To the extent they've had principles on these issues. Yeah. So there's, and, there's uh, only a few of them that would actually have to eat shit because I don't mm, think most of no, them No, I mean, Mike Pence, most of them, of course, they care about their own power. And we're seeing that. And this uh-huh. has all been a wonderful exercise, as has been the lack of oversight and other kind of, kinds of things. <laughs> um, about that, but still, they've been saying many of them for twenty years X, and now they're going to have to eat Y. And I don't see a lot of reason to believe that they're going to throw a lot of speed bumps in Donald Trump's way here. Um, there were, uh, I mean, if he's making deals like he says he can make deals, they might not. Yeah, yeah, because they're he's part of that deal is going to be we'll slash corporate tax rates down from thirty five percent down to fifteen or twenty. What will he have to give away to get that? Right. Well, I mean, to get that, he massive, ha- massive new entitlement of some sort. Uh, no, I mean, the, what he'll give away. I, I mean, the trade there will be give me the border adjustment tax, which mm-hmm. is a fancy way of saying tariff, and I will lower your corporate tax rates. That's what you guys want. This is what I want. We're going to make this deal and we're going to pretend like it's going to be OK. But I would point out and this also kind of gets to what you were saying. Camille about like the world hasn't uh, fallen. No, it hasn't. But he did attempt to suspend all immigration from seven countries, Uh all travel, not immigration from seven countries and suspend all refugees, period, for four months. Didn't work out. But already there's a piece in The Economist today that talked about and had at least a half a dozen preliminary numbers. This is already hurting the American economy now. Just people like looking, "Eh, do I want to go to America this year? I don't really think I want to go to America this year. And if you look at the number of jobs that are dependent very specifically on travel and tourism, that's about the same number of jobs that are dependent specifically on the production of automobiles in this country. So he's going to talk about how awesome he is for Ford and GM and all this browbeating people to not open factories in Mexico and this kind of stuff. Meanwhile, by doing this thing already, even though the bulk of it only lasted for about five days, um, it's having an effect. It has, and a, it will has real ramifications. Have an effect, Look, and I, those are bad things. I don't want to. So let me let me reel in the bold prediction that I made earlier. I, some of that was for uh, some of some of that was for effect. Uh, every, everyone listening, um, you're like one of those people who goes on cable news. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm actually doing the the qualification, offering the qualification now. But but this is important. Um, look. My my point here is not that there are no risks associated with Trump. Obviously, I cited a few. Um, it is also that by the time you arrive at a point where the victory of a particular person may actually spell the death of the republic, to the extent that is the conversation you have you are having, you have already gone too far. That is my sort of general position here, which perhaps I've stated in, in other ways, in other contexts. Um, but we've been going for a little while. Shit. I, I thought you were minutes. getting ready to say something about the uh, the labor secretary who is withdrawn from uh, consideration. Yes. So uh, uh, not not because he beat his wife or at least has not man. not been accused of beating his wife. Unclear. Um, and not because he is a fierce critic of the minimum wage, but because he hired an illegal to clean his house. What a vicious monster. Um, no, this is the stated reason. There is a piece in the Daily Beast, which was uh, 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 semi-persuasive, saying that 
uh, actually it was the uh, domestic abuse allegations. His wife was on Oprah and that Oprah tape came out recently and is now accessible to people. But they had to know that that was a thing. I mean, he had to know that was a thing. Yeah, everyone knew that was a thing. But the videotape thing uh, uh, makes it a little bit different. And so the the contention of the Daily Beast piece, and it's only a speculation, is that yeah. people wanted to couch their opposition to him in the, oh, no, he hired an illegal. Um, the, oh, no, he hired an illegal is a really stupid reason to oppose a labor secretary, in my opinion, um, just because I think it's totally fine to hire illegal immigrants uh, in this country. He's such a monster. I mean, if it if that was a deal breaker, hiring illegal immigrants in this country, and I say this is someone who has you know, consciously hired illegal immigrants in this and other countries and has been an illegal immigrant. Theoretically. And all, the, hired all these myself. things are theoretical. These it's are not tangible. crimes you're admitting to. Is, I'm totally admitting to all of it. I've not only I've, I've falsified things to the State Department, but I'll talk about that Dear in another. Lord, take it easy, man. Uh, <laughs> another broadcast. <laughs> but if hiring illegal immigrants was a deal breaker, we would have a different pref- president. Huh. Are you talking about his wife? No, I'm talking about <laughs> God. Are you accusing her of prostitution, you monster? I thought I was. A, I thought I was accusing her of being an illegal immigrant. No, I mean he. He. There's a huge paper trail of Donald Trump hiring illegal immigrants. And his you're going to say something sites. else about his wife. Yeah. But yeah, that's good. Okay. No, that's holy fair. cow. That's fair. Uh, anyways, yeah. So it's all stupid and uh, Carl's Jr. and stupid and uh, burger commercials. But uh, that and John McCain opposing. Uh, Michael Mulvaney to be the uh, the budget director, the uh, head of the uh, Office of Management of, of Budget or whatever the hell it's called, OMB, yeah. uh, Orchestral Maneuvers in the Bark, um, <laughs> uh, sh- uh, is crazy. Uh, and that actually because him and uh, Lindsey Graham are against it. And they're doing it because this guy who is a co-founder of the House Freedom Caucus, who uh-huh. is a total fiscal hawk, um, McCain wants to not have him be the budget director because he voted for sequestration cuts on the military and because he dared to suggest that maybe we shouldn't have troops in Afghanistan forever. Shocking. Shocking. Which, I mean, look, the OMB, OMB is important in the sense that they come up with official numbers um, for the White House, right? I mean, these are the... These, I, I have, these honestly are, have no these idea are, whether they're I mean, that's, that's what they do, they're right? They, they're doing yeah. the tabulation on what this thing is likely to cost, what revenue is likely to go look at, look like. And, I mean, to the extent... This is, this is the fun thing about uh, political math. Um, they do it in such a way that it is a little more favorable because there are always assumptions made. And to the extent you're going to make assumptions, you want to make assumptions that benefit your guy. Um, so they, generally, the dude who's going to be playing on your team. This is not a this is not really a huge deal. But look, we're uh, we're we're way into it. Um, I I don't have a some idiot wrote this. We um, got Thomas Friedman. Well, we did, there, we did we yeah. did we did peg him. I I yeah. kind of actually do. Um, there, was, there was something there was something in the New York Times um, fairly recently um, about uh, black black history month and black history month is almost over. I, I suspect we get one more dispatch in um, before before we get there. Um, but rather than um, and the title of this article is uh, it's um, it's black history month. Look in the mirror. Um, and I am not going to offer any commentary on this now, and I have to ask you guys for, for permission here, but I reached out to the article, uh, to the author of this piece, um, who offered to have a conversation about this thing that he wrote, um, which left me uh, beside myself having conniptions. Uh, and I want to unpack it with him. 
so I might spend an hour talking to him. Maybe we do a conversation with and a special dispatch. Um, and, and I don't know, perhaps we, perhaps we release that. We should start the new podcast, Angry Not Black Man. <laughs> Camille Foster. Yeah. I, I'm and less, less angry at times, honestly, like genuinely, like it just, there are certain things about the dude's perspective that left me like just like kind of hurt. Give the kids a sentence. Monstrous. No, no. I, they should go read it. Right. And if the dude shows up, we will talk about it for an hour. And if you're interested, you can listen. Um, and if he doesn't show up, then I will just sort of riff on the various ways in which he's uh, he's miserable. But I, but we'll steel man him. We'll, we will give him the best possible version of his argument. Um, and then we will deconstruct it systematically um, and expose him. Uh, in the nicest possible way, he was he was really cool um, on on email and seems genuinely interested in having a conversation. So that should be uh, that should be cool. That's good. We'll see if it actually happens. Moynihan, you have some. Moynihan, uh, I did, but I, it's just the same old shit. There was something today <laughs> in uh, New York Magazine, uh, which was apparently picked up by your former employer at the LA Times. Uh, and the headline in the LA Times story is Carly Kloss, who is a uh, model apologizes for Vogue shoot faux pas. And the faux pas in the headline would suggest that she did something wrong. Uh, she dressed as a geisha in a uh, Vogue shoot. Um, and the the um, New York Magazine story, which uh, is... Appropriation. Uh, yeah, yeah. Is, not, uh, not you know, really... Um, uh, one thing's for certain, embracing diversity does not mean styling Carly Kloss as a geisha. And it goes on to they have a very important Glenn Greenwald like update that she uh, she has uh, that she uh, apologized. Uh, These images appropriate a culture that is not my own. And I'm truly sorry for participating in a shoot that was not culturally sensitive. Damn. And uh, so Carly Kloss, the the, um, you know, very tall, very beautiful model has now apologized for rather than be bullied. Uh, for the rest of her days for uh, wearing a Japanese kimono in a shoot, which one is not allowed to do. I suspect if she did a shoot where she wore a, a tartan skirt, uh, that the uh, the uh, Scots would not be particularly angry. Of course, all of these articles are written by um, white women who live in Brooklyn, I checked. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and so they're the ones who's getting upset on behalf of you Japanese people out there. I want you to know that uh, that you have a defender. You have somebody like a Tokyo Rose out there really defending <laughs> everything you believe in. Uh, you don't have to do it for yourself because Dana Evans, uh, a a sort of grim person who lives in Brooklyn who's making sure mm. that Vogue is taking pictures of models wearing the appropriate cultural outfit, which means that you cannot be inspired by any um, clothes from a different country. Well, you, can that would mean, you can be inspired. You just can't wear them. You can't wear them because yeah, because they, this, they don't belong to you. And this is one of my favorite uh, things of the past five years is a new generation of half-wit children who don't understand how quote-unquote culture is made. <laughs> it is made by appropriating things from the other whole, cultures. All culture is appropriation. Uh, and I, yeah, yeah. every bit of culture is appropriation, and we used to call it cultural evolution, <laughs> not cultural appropriation. So to the people at New York Magazine who wrote this and the LA Times for saying it was a faux pas, 
Go fuck yourself. <laughs> They're having a day without uh, immigrants sometime soon, which is actually pretty fun. They who's, had one. Who is they? Uh, you know, the, the people. Um, they did one in L.A. about 10 years ago, and it was great because it was one of the only days along with when the, the Olympics were in town in 1984 when you could actually drive like from downtown to the yeah. beach in about 15 minutes. Yeah. It was super awesome. Look on um, the bright side. Yeah. No, I mean, come on. Uh, it's good. <laughs> but I think that sometimes you need to, to make practical these uh, cultural notions. So I think there should be a day where we go and we bulldoze every architectural evidence of cultural appropriation. So in, in Los Angeles, Southern California, which is the greatest residential architecture in the country, as we all know, um, I think we should just take the bulldozer on anything that smacks of Japanese influence sure. and just level the city of Pasadena once and fucking for all. Enough with your outdoor sleeping port porches. <laughs> I've had it with your bamboo. We're taking you down, Pasadena. Fuck you. Wow. <laughs> That is a really uh, specific Southern California reference and hatred. And uh, it's a good uh, button on the show. It's a good show close. I think so. Very strong show close (laughs) is Matt (laughs) popping veins talking about architecture in Pasadena, in which apparently people sleep outside pretending they're Japanese. So um, next week we'll end the show with you defending the bombing of Hiroshima and Nagasaki. But but can we do internment the week after that? Because that's really so-called internment. Totally Matt's favorite. Um, Yeah. So we next week we'll have Michelle. Ten thousand, not a hundred thousand. Michelle. Malkin on. You know, they didn't turn them on the East Coast. Uh, <laughs> we'll have Michelle Malkin on to 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 say to do her book in defense of internment. Which is being turned into a musical, by the way. Oh, is it? It's going to be amazing. Yeah, yeah the great amazing. thing about that book is it had a picture of Muhammad Atta on the cover. Yeah. yeah it did. Oh There's Muhammad Atta, I believe, is on the cover of In Defense of Internment, uh, who at that point when the book came out was dead. Uh, <laughs> so I don't know what internment would have done for him. But, you know, he was dead because he committed a terrorist act, Un- <laughs> unlike, unlike you know, George Takei's family. Yeah. Uh, not really as a far parallel. As we know, not as really a parallel. Was, I'm laughing. I'm laughing to keep from crying. Um, yeah. This is uh, this has been fun. Uh, it's it's a late evening. You know, I don't have um, I don't actually have any uh, talismanic powers. I don't I, not that I recognize anyways. I, I don't think that I have any sort of authority to give people permission to do things. But there are apparently people who do. So as a parting gift to all of you, um, for anything that is deemed black that you would like to appropriate, you have Camille Foster's uh, permission. Anything Scottish, you similarly have Camille Foster's permission. I give you both of those things on the basis of my own own ethnicity. And and I'm going to go go even further. Simply because I have a strong affinity for the Asian people's. And because oh, the Asians God. love me, this you similarly like a, have this is like how permission somebody, to do whatever how you want. Somebody who admits her fetish in public, yeah, okay. You should have just said the I didn't Asian. Say that. Yeah, <laughs> I didn't say that. I've got an affinity for the. He's been the fifth column. Uh, we. Uh, I host Camille Foster. <laughs> we're getting the hell out of here. Uh, give us well, a review. Ding, ding, ding. Tell us what a great job we're doing. Ding, ding, um, and ding, we uh, ding, will be ding, back ding. soon. We know of new methods of attack. The Trojan horse. Column.